Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, joined as always by former Falcons fullback Ovi Mahaley, who used to lead the team to a lot more wins than they've had recently, but they got a win today, Ovi. What are your what are your quick thoughts on uh on this win? It wasn't pretty, but hey, does that even matter? No, not at all. And, and um, I'm glad the Falcons are making me look like I know what I'm talking about. I have somewhat <laughs> of an idea what I'm talking about. I said after that loss to Tampa Bay, I'm like, if they play like that, they can beat the Giants. They can beat the Redskins. They can beat. The, they can beat like the lower level teams in this in, in this league. And we barely beat the Giants, but still, we showed why a lot of Falcons fans, including me, were you know so um, I guess excited about a loss because <laughs> we we were showing that we had some sort of life, some sort of uh, foundation to build on. So this game was good because usually once it's 50-50 games, the Falcons find a way to grab the jaws of, you know, of a of a loss out of out of victory. They they find a way to lose. And this time they found a way to win. Yeah, I I completely agree with that and and a big thing uh kind of like mantra that I have personally is doesn't really matter at the end of the day how you win. All that matters is that you win or that you lose. That's all we look at. It there's no style points. This isn't the BCS. We're not, you know, grading the the blowout or whatever. You won, you won. And they won today. And that's all that matters. But I still can't help but feeling like we've yet to see a Falcons team actually worthy of kind of paying attention to. <laughs> for lack of of a better way to put that like it's it's still not anything that I want to get emotionally attached to because I'm leaving that game saying okay yeah but I mean do I really think that this is a team capable of playing in January not not really no. but no, at the not, end of the not, day not right it, they now. still they still won and that's meaningful right absolutely it's absolutely meaningful and absolutely not this team is a playoff contender but the whole point of this season was trying to show that they have the the guts, the, the core, the foundation to be a team that can do what we did, you know, back when I was there for a while. Like every year you knew that we were competing, we were winning 10 games, 13 games, you know, nine games. Like we were always in the playoff contention. Um, and that is something that the Falcons haven't had since uh, their Super Bowl season. So this year, we all had a chance to refocus after uh, that first game that, no, this is not going to be a Atlanta Hawks-type season where, <laughs> hey, you know, we going to surprise everybody and threw a couple of pieces together, and we're going to go towards, like, a, a real Super Bowl run. You know, this is going to be a game or a year or season where, shoot, we might have to suffer through three wins all season. That's what we were thinking in the first game. And then we recalibrated again after the Tampa Bay game, and now it's just – steady progression it's just moving forward oh man it's almost like my seven and ten prediction is looking really good right now uh, it is <laughs> my, what did my dumb ass say i said something like what 10? i think you were ten and seven yeah, yeah. I, was, I was ten and seven i want to take that back oh i want to take that back you know yeah. ten and seven doesn't look that great seven and ten looks like that'll be good we get seven wins yeah that's a win for this season because i just want to have right. three or four wins like that, and that's that's, the, that's know, where nightmare. that's where I, I don't want to be. Uh, it's going to be I think this conversation is going to really test us, you know, as as podcasters here, because we got to walk that <laughs> fine line between not being too um, upbeat after a, a win that frankly had a lot of things to nitpick, um, yeah. but not be too low after what was a win. And it's frankly just hard to win on Sundays in the NFL that like that is in a, a great, way place to start and away in a in what seemed like a very lively atmosphere they were honoring Eli Manning at halftime I mean yep. the Meadowlands was rocking today um, but we're gonna get so much deeper into this game because it's an important game because the Falcons won um, but first let's hear uh, a quick read from today's sponsors 
It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the new season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means that if you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, and you lose, your wager will be refunded. Up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Exciting news! Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Ovi, I'm, where, where do you want... I'll let you pick where you want us to begin in this game because we can talk about how great I think the defense played. Um, for yes. pretty much, I think they're the reason they won this game. We can talk about the highlights um of the offense or we could talk about the lowlights of the offense because there are you know some of each we could talk about the special teams play which i really think helped give the falcons some juice we could talk about arthur smith who i think um a lot of people had some some thoughts on in game three because going into this game i think a lot of people expected this to be the game that really everything clicked offensively so all of that, I know I threw a lot at you. Where do you want to start um, for talking about this game? Let's start with the defense because defense wins championships. And at some Hell point, yeah. not this year, but at some point, we want to win a championship. And that starts with the defense, the much maligned Falcons defense, which has been the whooping boy of the NFL year <laughs> after year, which has been holding back Matt Ryan from being uh, you know, as great as he can be. It's the defense that actually looked competent. Not even competent. They, they looked uh, yeah. good at times. I was so surprised that we were in a defensive struggle. Um, I, you know, I grabbed some uh, some food and had to go on a grocery run and was assuming that the, the game was going to jump and come out of control or go out of control at any time because, you know, Danny Dimes was showing some, some moves with his legs. I was like, that guy's moving with his legs. <laughs> He's still showing that even against our fast defense with, with Foyer and Dion yeah. able to move yeah. side to side. Danny Jones was was uh, uh, outrunning some guys and getting yard. I'm like, man, this any any second now he's going to throw some dimes and you know run for a, a 50 yard uh, play. And Didn't Saquon looked our, Saquon looked so fast today too. Every single oh time he gosh. got some space, I was I was terrified. waiting for Saquon to come out of his shell and really say, hey, the guy you drafted. Oh, he's here. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. And our defense didn't let that happen. He didn't have his coming out party on us because he had a lot of hype around him. This, this being a game where they were saying the pundits were saying the, the, the podcasters and the talking heads, this <laughs> is his get right game. The Falcons defense is primed and ready for Saquon Barkley to come back into his own self. And they didn't let that happen. So let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about how Grady Jarrett showed up. Let's talk about our man Dante yep, Fowler yep. having his big plays. Let's talk about how our defensive backfield was knocking down balls. We're covering guys. I was so impressed at how just this team and, and Dean Pease has been promised for, promising us for a while that it's about the scheme and putting players in position to succeed and, and giving guys who, you know, we don't have world beaters and we don't have a bunch of, you know, all pro guys, but we do have about above average talent in certain areas. And he was able to kind of highlight our, our best players and to cover 
some of our guys who are lacking and did a masterful job of it. Yeah, you know what I noticed today? It was a phenomenal game for guys who did not play at all in the preseason. And it was players like Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, Deion Jones, Foyer, Isaiah Oliver. Those guys really led the way on defense. And the Falcons were forced to play um, some of their depth guys because of injuries. We saw TJ Green out there a lot um, today. Jalen Hawkins was getting some reps in and out. Michael Walker made a notable play. But by and large, defensively, it was the guys that we had been waiting to see all preseason long. And I do think that just the way that the, the NFL has slowly been changing over the last five or so years with a lot of their kind of practice rules, OTA offseason changes um, now with uh, one fewer preseason game. I do think that we're going to see that impact the start of the regular season more than we've ever seen that before. And I, I think that we've beginning to see a little bit of a creep um, of that happening anyway. But today seemed like a day when all of those guys had gotten enough reps over the last couple of games where everything really was clicking. And it was amazing to see even on on plays where, you know, I know I noticed early on when the Giants were called for a hold, I think on their first or second drive. But I believe it was Grady, but it was it was an interior defensive tackle still made the play on Saquon. And it was only a two yard gain where it looked like there was a huge hole because it turned out the defensive tackle was being held. But when he made that play anyway, I was like, oh, okay, these guys really came to shut down this Giants team. Um, And that's what the defense did. And I think they deserve a ton of credit. And honestly, should we start changing the way that we view the identity of this 2021 Falcons team? That'd be exciting. That would be something um, that Falcons fans can really get excited about because if our defense can become our strong point, then we already know that Matt Ryan's not going to let the offense fall too far just because of who he is and his ability to make plays. Uh, if our defense can become our strength, then we're, we're back in the conversation. We're, we're right there. And they had something to prove to us because though the, the, the first two games were rough, they were especially rough on the defense. To be dead last in red zone defense, to have 80 points scored on them in the last two games, to get just uh, you know eviscerated when it came to the run game and the pass game, our defense had something to prove. And Dean Pease had something to prove. So this was... Uh, is coming out party in, in a big way. And uh, I, I just feel like we've shown that this is something that um, can, can really allow the players to see, hey, we got something here. It's not just talk because the rhetoric can go on all day. And I've been on teams and you've seen it, you know, as uh, just an analyst in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. People talk a lot about what they want to do, what they're going to do, what they <laughs> yeah. can do, what's going to happen. But all that matters in football is what happens on game day, what happens between those white lines, and what you can actually, you know, put on film. And the Falcons put some good stuff on film today. Yes, they they absolutely did. And I I mean, you you look at the stats, and the the Giants still had nearly 350 yards of offense. That's that's an average day for an NFL team. They were 50% on third down, you know, cool. Like that, I think, as an offense, if you're 50%, you're kind of happy with that. But Key situations, only one of three in the red zone. They the Falcons forced three fumbles today, um, and notably, I think they played a really clean game. I really think one of the key factors in today's outcome was penalties and really timely penalties. And I think you kind of heard the uh, the New York crowd really getting into this game early on with penalties. But let's talk a little bit about the offense. Um, Do you think that this was a game where the offense figured anything out or merely just got by with its kind of talented players making some key plays? Because it it really didn't seem like the the offense had too much cohesion for much of the afternoon. No, I mean, look at the score and the score doesn't really tell it because for so long it was a defensive struggle. And that's not good for us because that's supposed to be our strong point. Our offense is right. supposed to outscore the other team and defense should just hang on for dear life. And that didn't happen. So um, hopefully we'll get to that point again. But it wasn't a great showing by the offense. Uh, we, we saw our usual burst from uh, Cordero Patterson. Uh, and we saw you know him 
taken huge steps in the right direction in the run game and the pass game. Um, we saw Calvin Ridley continue to struggle to become Julio Jones, which should never become a goal of his. I know he wants yeah. to replace Julio Jones. That's irreplaceable. Uh, every time he dropped the ball, every time, you know, there's an opportunity for him to make play, he didn't. And Twitter just lit up with, Julio would have made that catch. Julio would have made that play. Julio got that first down. I, I get that <laughs> comparison is always going to be there. Always going to be there. It's like uh, it's always, when, always when Aaron Rodgers took over for Brett Favre. You know, it, it, yep. it was just the comparison was there because you're replacing you know, a great. I think you know Julio has a chance to be a Hall of Famer if he continues uh, his career at the pace he was with the Falcons. But he has to stay healthy. You know, if, if he you know needs to get hurt, then his his legacy <laughs> is going to be not what it should. But Julio is has some huge shoes to fill, and Calvin Ridley made made some good catches. You know, our, our guy Kyle Pitts made some great catches, uh, clutch catches. Uh, you know, he took another yes, uh, yep. big step in the right direction. But our offense as a whole wasn't the well oiled machine that we've seen in the past with uh, you know all our pieces uh, that we've had in, in recent years. So I, I think that. Offense shouldn't be too excited about their performers. They should be happy they won. Like you mentioned earlier, there, there's some some solace and some uh, you know happiness that should come out of just getting a win. But if you're being honest, there's a lot of work to be done on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird because kind of on paper, you know, I'm I'm looking at the stats right now. Mike Davis, 12 carries, 50 yards, 4.2 average. I, I think for the most part, the Falcons weren't bad running the ball today. I, I think that they were able to pick up, you know, a couple of explosive plays on the ground. Matt Ryan, 75% completion, 243 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I thought he had a, another really good game kind of for the second game in a row. Corderell Patterson, 82 receiving yards, Calvin Ridley, 61. You know, they got two touchdowns through the air. So it, it kind of, if you're looking at all of that, I kind of don't think that I would come away from a game feeling the way that I do. And it's because it was it was disjointed. They weren't great on third down for much of the afternoon, despite being in third and short situations. And it kind of felt like their purpose or their goal, at least in the first half, was to get into third and short situations. It's almost like they were so focused on being in third and manageable that they weren't really taking any risks on first and second down. And I think that kind of got them out of a really competitive, explosive mindset. And then, man, what are the, what are we doing with Kyle Pitts? Because he's proven in every <laughs> yes. single game, he's come up with a clutch play. So the only, the only logical reason I could see Arthur Smith kind of being like, with all of the accountability talk, if he's if he's sitting there saying, well, even our number four pick needs to prove that he can earn our trust to be the number one guy. Like, if you want to make that argument, go ahead. But Kyle Pitts has proven in every single game he's come up with a fourth down catch. He's come up with a third and seven one handed catch. He came up big today to basically win that game for you by putting you in field goal position late. I mean, what else does he have to do, Ovi? Um. There is nothing else that he has to do. He he needs for Arthur Smith to find ways to get him the ball. Let him make the mistakes. Don't don't say, oh well, you know, we couldn't throw to Kyle Pitts because he was double covered. How many times have we thrown to Julio where he's double covered? Right. You know, uh, there are times where you have to get your key players involved early. And they this guy's make supposed plays, to beat double coverage. By the way, he you drafted yeah. him to because he's unguardable, regardless of the guy. Co- yeah. Like I mean, so prove it. Do it. <laughs> Exactly. No, Kyle Pitts is somebody that if he does not get involved in this offense in a big way, we can't be the offensive team we, we, we're supposed to be. We, we just can't. Calvin Ridley, like we, we've mentioned that he doesn't have the size or the frame to be that red zone guy that, that Julio was or, or should have been in several years. We had the same problem with Julio where we didn't feel like he got the ball enough. And that's why some of these old coaches, Dan Quinn, is not here anymore. So Arthur Smith does not need to make that same mistake. He needs to make sure that Kyle gets the ball throughout the whole game, but especially in the red zone. The red zone should be yeah, Kyle Pitts' yeah. play thing. That should be where he's dunking on guys and catching balls and ripping them away from people's hands and and just using that wingspan to box guys out because he can do that physically. He just needs the opportunity to do so. And if he messes up or can't do it, 
Let him fail. Let, let him fail forward. <laughs> let him keep on learning from his mistakes. Let him uh, be able to, right. you know, uh, see how he can improve uh, week in, week out. But that can't happen. He hasn't even get any targets. That, that's where I, I'm just confused <laughs> where the targets weren't even there. It wasn't like Kyle Pitts right. wasn't involved because he kept on dropping the ball or he was running the wrong route. He wasn't even thrown to. So that's where I think Falcons fans um, are, are a little bewildered, a little confused at, What's the total world plan here? Because this is game three. I understand easing them into it, but we got to win games. And, and he showed right. in key situations that he can be a asset to us, not a liability. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you were you were a large or a long field goal away from uh, being 0-3 uh, to start the yeah. season. So kind of what do you have to lose? Yeah. If you're going to let your guy take your lumps, let him take his lumps now. And that it was it was weird, but also... Uh, you know, I saw Arthur Smith's press conference after the game um, and kind of as you would expect, he said that, look, they weren't trying to go away from Kyle Pitts by any you know, means. They had several plays where he was the primary read and either coverage dictated that Matt was going to look elsewhere. Or Matt just decided to look elsewhere. But I did kind of about the third quarter, I started noticing that it seemed like the Falcons came in here with Kyle Pitts being more of the deep vertical threat and the giants were doing a really good job taking that away today with, with kind of two high safety looks and just really playing more of a um, softer coverage to see if Matt Ryan could um, move the ball, keep suspended drives going. And he, he really did. I mean, early on in the game, you, it was clear that he was going to be checking down a lot. He was going to be hitting some of these shorter routes. So I think the coverage was really rolled to take Kyle Pitts away. And that was very noticeable on that red zone play when they motioned Kyle Pitts and then New York called a timeout. And then the Falcons ran the same exact pre-snap motion. The Giants did the same thing. It didn't matter. The Falcons scored a touchdown anyway. And to me, that was a little bit of an indication that maybe Kyle Pitts was supposed to be a little bit of a decoy in this, in this game. And there is one thing that I will give Arthur Smith a lot of credit for. Alameda Zacchaeus and Lee Smith both caught touchdowns in this game. If yeah. you can turn those guys into weapons, yep. defenses now have to worry about every single offensive player on the field. And it was something that Kyle Shanahan does very well. And I, I really, really like that on a day when a lot of people, I think, were criticizing Arthur Smith. That is a massive bright spot to me is now you have to worry if you're a defensive play caller. OK, is Lee Smith on the field? Cool. Do we have somebody to look <laughs> yeah. at him? And most yes. plays, he's not going to be out there for you to cover and you're going to be wasting a guy. But that one play that you don't look at him, maybe he scores. Uh, so that was great. As an offensive player, I mean, how much does that matter? And how much do you kind of talk about that uh, as an offensive philosophy is just getting everybody involved? The, the best teams are the ones where your weakest link is, is very strong. That's mm -hmm. where you really get these playoff teams. And, and I tweeted a bit about this. You need your playmakers to to make plays and to you know keep status quo, but you also need your least guys, your your, your low level guys, the guys who are making you know minimum, uh, veteran minimum, to show up. Like when we had Harry Douglas uh, before he got his big contract <laughs> out there being a dangerous three. You know we had uh, Roddy White, we had Julio, you know we had uh, uh, Tony Gonzalez or whatnot. But when we had like a, a third or fourth receiver and those guys still making plays, yeah. We were dangerous, and to have a, a Lamine Zacchaeus be able to be a threat and, and to catch balls and, and to you know, get yards after that catch, to have Tajay Sharp be able to catch balls, like you know, to, to have a, our blocking tight end catch a touchdown, <laughs> that really makes our offense so unpredictable for defenses. And I know they hated it. I, I used to talk to defensive players, like, man, when we realized you can catch. It just made our defense that much harder because you know, usually we can just forget the fullback. And there are times in my career where. No one was guarding me because they didn't expect me to catch the ball at all. But after I started catching, you know, three, four balls a game, like, oh, man, we had to guard the tailback and the fullback, and we had to really have somebody be over there and, and not just be able to ignore them. It, it really stretches the defense, and it opens up everybody else. So if we can become that team that has several weapons, I, I think it gives us a chance to, you know, not only be unpredictable, but to be more dangerous. Before we kind of move on to, um, you know, looking at this game in a, in a few different ways, I do have a question through three games. It does seem to me that Arthur Smith is an offensive coach who wants to enforce the run game first 
really in that first half, it seemed like the Falcons were doing a lot of establishing the run. And then later in the third quarter, even though the game wasn't out of reach, you know, the game wasn't dictating that they throw the ball more to play catch up. Then they slowly started to transition, I think, a little bit more to the passing game. I just want to get your insight as as a fullback who obviously is is probably very much keying on the run. Um, but as just an offense player who's played in this league, what have you seen and can you identify maybe an identity for an Arthur Smith offense in Atlanta so far? I think the identity for Arthur Smith in Atlanta is similar to uh, that of Mike Malarkey, uh, the offense coordinator when I was there. Yeah, uh, we, uh, I we agree. Were very yeah. run heavy. And again, we had the pieces. We had, you know, Ove Mahaley and Michael Turner. Um, Myself in the third person, um, but yeah, Ovi guy, he was, he was quite, he was quite a fullback. No, but um, now having Mike Davis and, and having Cordell Patterson, I, I think that the tools are there. We we have the ability to be that run first offense, and though we've had some struggles on our pass uh, defense or pass blocking with our young rookie um, uh, lineman, we've been able to to grow. I, I've seen some growth in our run game. And not just the the key running backs, but in the offensive line, you've seen uh, the gaps get yeah. a little bigger. You've seen the guys, you know, stay on their blocks a little bit longer, and it's been really encouraging to see that we're starting to take the run game a little more seriously, and, and they're focusing on it. And you know, we talk about uh, the film room sessions. These guys are, you know, the coaches are getting in their ass a little bit about how you can't be so lackadaisical with your blocks. You can't be the nice guy. You got to get a little more nasty. I, I talk about all the time. I've heard uh, some of the uh, my, my older uh, brethren, older uh, players talk about how that 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 streak, that that edge, that 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 toughness um, it, it's not it's still not there at the level where it needs to be, but it's getting better. I, I love uh, Chuck Smith. Uh, yeah. Chuck was, uh, he, he was before my time, but you know, he, he's a Falcons great when it comes to the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he was talking about these guys getting nasty and getting, you know, gully, gutter, whatever you want to call it. Just, you know, just having that that the mentality and that that aura of, of yeah, uh, being like a, not, not not dirty, but but playing but, right on that right edge. up to the edge. Yep. Yeah, there you go, right up to the edge. And, and you know, even Chuck noticed it. And when I talked to former Falcons and former players, the Falcons have been looked at as a soft team for years. You know, even, um, you know, the Super Bowl year, again, they, they, they showed up, but 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, it's just been a team that no one's afraid of, no one's scared of, no one's intimidated by, no one's feeling like, oh, we got to get uh, the cold tub or, the, you know, take an ice back. We're going to be black and blue from the bruises. That's not been the Falcons' MO. But we're, yeah. we're slowly stepping in that direction. And our rum game is the first step to do that, to hit somebody in the mouth and to be able to make them feel you know, really feel our, our presence on the ground so that it opens up the, the pass game. That's something Arthur Smith's trying to establish. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I loved uh, just seeing Cordell Patterson with the ball in his hands is really fun. Uh, I mean, yeah. he, his wiggle and like short, you can tell he's a returner. Anytime somebody's one yard in front of him, whether he's three, like whether he just got the handoff and, you know, you it's kind of like, plant your foot and go and get as many yards as you can. He's kind of like, no, somebody's right here. I'm going to try to make them miss. Like, I'm going to try to get past them and get some more yard. And he just does that any single time somebody is in front of him. Um, so I love, I mean, his addition, his presence. And I, I do think that his elevation as a player, because he's been in a lot of different areas, a lot of different teams have tried to use him creatively, but we've never seen him have this level of success. I do think that is a credit to the coaching staff. There's clearly something here clicking between player scheme and whether it be the offensive line or their vision for his skill set and how they want to utilize it, what have you. Something's working here, and that is a testament to to the organization and and what they discovered in him. Um, but I agree. I mean, I think I think today it sometimes it can be a really good thing. I think to win a game like this, especially if you're a team looking for its first win and. Although my initial reaction was, all right, you won, but barely, you didn't do enough, you didn't blow them out. Well, maybe that wasn't the point of today. Maybe in order to blow teams out come November, December, maybe today was a very important step. And maybe if you blow a team out in week three after losing, a coaching staff might lose the focus of the team. 
You know, they might say they might start thinking, okay, now we got it. We don't need to pay. Like everything's rolling. We're going to be good. But knowing that you were in a dogfight and you had to scrap and claw to get the win, but you got the win, that not only instills confidence between the players and the coaches that say, hey, we're growing, but it also kind of keeps everybody on their P's and Q's knowing, hey, it took all we had to get that win and we barely got it. We've got to work even harder against this next team and against this next team. And we've got to stack these blocks and we've got to build this foundation. So in a weird way, a 17-14 game on the road in New York, in the Big Apple. I mean, it, it could end up being a really great scenario, especially considering who their next two games are against. And, and this was the first step. Falcons needed to win this one. So any kind of final big picture um, thoughts on this game before we move on to our, our Monday morning meetings, uh, the good and the bad and just a larger look around the league and where everything stands on Sunday night. I was just excited about the, uh, you know, the, the culture uh, that that he's starting to change in, in Atlanta. Uh, if you had a chance to see some of the video in the locker room, it, you know, mm-hmm. it transported me back personally to just the, the jubilation and the excitement that, <laughs> or the, the just exhaling. <laughs> I think just uh, uh, being able to say, Okay, all right. We got that one under our belt. You know, it, it will come at some point, but you want it to come sooner than later to get that first win. And yeah. for him, first time head coach, Arthur Smith as as a um, you know, as as a head coach that wanted to show that he's much more than the coordinator to get a, a win, because you talked a great game to get the job and you sold the you know the owner and you know, you sold the the media and the fans, but you know, after that 0-2 start, it was just Man, I know, I know his family was, you know, his friends are like, ugh, could get dicey here. To get that win <laughs> yeah. and to have some of the players say that, you know, they wanted to win for Arthur because no yep. one wants to see a coach that you bond with, uh, you know, OTA's mini camp and, you know, you want to see him do well. And from all accounts, even he though got the he's, game ball. Yeah. He got the game he, ball. Even though he's uh, vanilla at times, uh, the, the players say that, you know, he has a great personality. Uh, his character um, shines through and through and he's got their back, which is the most important thing. So to see all of them dancing and having fun and smiling, it, it just shows uh, a taste of what we can expect in Atlanta once we get our stuff together. And so uh, overall picture is that the, the the culture is changing from the the brotherhood, no accountability, you know, let's shake hands and kumbaya type of uh, uh, Falcon team to uh, a real fighter. They, they fought their asses off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I was so proud of them. And even in this ugly game and this ugly win, they fought their asses off again, uh, and especially in the fourth quarter for, you know, Arthur Smith and the uh, offensive coordinator to, to get 11 out of – get Matt Ryan to go to 11 out of 12. I know a lot of that's Matt Ryan, but there's also play calling. And to have yeah. a, a big, uh, you know, drive and to score a touchdown – that's that's classic Matt Ryan, classic Falcon football and getting back to what we need to do in a game where previously the last fourth quarter, I think we were like 38 and zero out. We were outscored. So in this yes, fourth quarter yeah. to, to not say here we go again, to not do the same thing, but just to show up in a big way. I think overall, it's something that fans, players, uh, the whole city should look at and, and smile and, and, and be just like the Falcons were in the locker room, kind of excited about what's to come. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I did. I tweeted out, I think, right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. To that point, the defense had done its, its job. The outcome of the game was now on the shoulders of Arthur Smith and his offense. And, you know, it, by all accounts, the, the defense had shut down the Giants and the Falcons needed to take it upon themselves. Credit to them. They did. Credit to Arthur Smith, offensive coordinator Dave Ragone. I, I think that it was very telling and awesome and a great indicator that Early on and throughout this game, Matt Ryan was checking a lot. He was making a lot of calls at the line of scrimmage, which tells me that he's got a pretty good understanding of this offense and that they are equipping him with multiple play calls at the line of scrimmage to make the right read. And a lot of the times that he was kind of checking off of plays or checking back into plays, they turned out to be successful. So I think for the long-term success of this offense, that was an excellent sign. Um, Again, overall, not a great offensive day, but I'm just trying to look for these small little indicators that better days are ahead. Um, but speaking of better days are ahead, who Monday morning is going to be getting a big attaboy for their performance um, against the Giants? 
man. Um, there, there are a couple of guys, uh, but I, I think that our punter Cameron, uh, you know, um, I don't <laughs> yeah, try to pronounce Cameron last Nizalik. name. Uh, yeah, not Net Nizalik, Nizalik, uh, Cameron. Our our punter, because most people don't know the putter's name, the kicker's name, they mess up. <laughs> yeah, so so Cam was about to get on a bus, not even a plane, a bus pass straight to whatever college he came from, whatever hometown he has. After he messed up and shanked that ball in a game where the Falcons were or were close to competing with the defending Super Bowl champions, people were on him and not in a good way. He showed up today. It was because of him and Cordero Patterson. <laughs> His numbers are having, nuts. Oh my gosh! But but having a, a a great punt where they were just on point, he got within a ten. Cordell Patterson down the ball, that field position because the game's all about field position. We don't talk about that much unless again they mess up. But that got the Giants in a tough position. The backs against the wall. Our defense shut them down. We got great field position and we were able to score. It, it's a, yeah. it's very hard to score when you have to go the whole length of the field. If special teams can make that easier for you from the punt returner to the kick returner to the punter or the, or the kicker, that makes the game that much easier. And so the punter is going to be really excited, not just about a great performance, but a bounce back performance after a rough game. So uh, it's kind of a credit to Arthur Smith showing that whether it's Jalen Mayfield or a rookie or the punter with a bad uh, shank, he's going to give guys the chance to redeem themselves. He believes in second chances. And I think he should because he's invested so much to these guys. He can't have, especially with this new team, a, you got one chance. There's one strike and you're out. There's at least three strikes. You know, these guys have one strike, one and a half strikes, three strikes. I get it. You're out. And we're in a, a rebuilding zone to where you want to really shake that tree to see what's there, to see what you can work with, to see who has the ability to to rebound and to, you know, kind of become stronger and, and you know, build that character from falling down and getting back up because not everyone's going to get back up. You want to see and fight with the guys who are going to man up, take accountability, watch the film, and get better. At the end of the day, get better and execute when the lights are on. So um, he's going to have a great meeting room. He's going to feel, you know, <laughs> he was a big part of this win yeah. um, when last week he was, a, you know, uh, was a part of the loss. That's it's an excellent point by you because I, that's been a big part of I think Arthur Smith's early tenure with Atlanta is. A little bit of that message, and we saw it with Jalen Mayfield from week one to week two, and the the team not really wanting to be too critical of him after a pretty bad first performance, and then he proved to improve, um, or he showed improvement uh, in week two, and then exactly like you said, Kymer Uh week two poor performance, week three. I mean, let me let me read you this: the Falcons' first four possessions on offense, all punts, but that fourth punt. The last play of scrimmage for Atlanta was on the Giants 40. That punt gets downed at the three. The Giants yeah. go three and out. Atlanta starts its next possession at the Giants 44. So you get a new set of downs only moving back four yards. They go six plays, touchdown. Now it's a 7-6 game. They take the there lead go. going into halftime. That swung the game right there. Special teams did. was massive today. Cameron Izalik averaged 47 yards a punt. He had six wow. punts. It was a great day for him. Um, so awesome call because you got to you got to give love to special teams sometimes. Such an underrated part of the game, but we saw today yep. their importance. Um, my my pick is going to be Foyer Aluakun. Um, I think you could make a really strong case for for Corderell Patterson. I think a lot of people he would be the number one um, pick for this today. But I, I really just wanted to highlight Foyer because I think we've continued to see um, ascension. In his game, and I, I think now he is—he took the jump last year into being really a, a very good, I think, starter at linebacker in the NFL. He's doing it again this year, and that is big. You know, it's easy to do it one year, to do it for multiple years. That's truly what it separates um, kind of the the wheat from the chaff uh, in terms of stardom in the NFL. And early on, I loved the tackle that he made on Daniel Jones. When the Giants fans wanted a flag, they thought he had tackled him out of bounds. I thought Jonathan Vilma, very correctly on the call, indicated that the Foye had started to wrap up and tackle him while he was in bounds, and it just kind of the momentum carried him pretty far out of bounds. Uh, but Foye's energy, and then it started, it kind of like started a fight on the sidelines, but Foye didn't back down, the defense didn't back down, and all day 
Both he and Deion Jones were flying around all over the place. And I think that he really just set the tempo early on for the defense with that tackle, with a few kind of screen diagnoses and, and just moving all over the from sideline to sideline. So it was a great day for Foyer. Uh, if he continues to really, truly get better, I, I don't know where his ceiling is right now, frankly, at this point, because yep. I thought he would yep. have hit it by now. But but this dude just has no limitations. He's big. He's fast. He can cover. He can blitz. I mean, man, the sky's the limit here. No, his is my, my, my Nigerian brother. You know, I, I love uh, Foyer. <laughs> Uh, um, he is uh, a, such a smart guy. Again, coming from a good school, mm-hmm. uh, but being someone yes, who ha- has the intelligence to know that he must get better and, and how to get better. All, all these ways that he's improving is from you know not just working out in the weight room, not just watching film, not just I, I've heard he's even reaching out to guys who are pro bowlers, hall of famers. Like he, he trains mm-hmm. with guys that are where he wants to be. He talks to guys who are where he wants to be. And it's um it's shown on the field, so I think that's a great choice in Foyer. I'm really excited about how he's kind of raised his game because again, he's not ha- hasn't been given the huge contract, hasn't gotten the uh, uh the big money yet, but he's, he's playing, on his way. He's playing like the guy who is a year or two away from that, and, and that's what we need. We need the guys I mentioned earlier on the podcast that aren't making that big money but are playing like they got big money. And that's what makes a team dangerous. And we're getting there with Foyer. Yeah, that, that notion of getting better, seeking out ways to improve, talking to other guys, it reminds me a lot of Austin Hooper. And we saw that growth from Austin Hooper from his start, the start of his career here in Atlanta to the, you know, the time he ended it. And I think we're seeing a very similar thing from Foyer. And, and hopefully Foyer's career continues on here in Atlanta. But for right now, let's just enjoy the hell out of what he's bringing yep. because he's bringing a lot. Um, so... Those are the good. What's the bad? Who's who's ducking? Uh, who's trying to get that last seat back in the corner? Slouch down. You know, got the the hoodie pulled over a little bit. Uh, Monday morning. Who's who's not looking forward to this? Well, it, it's one that it's probably going to have people say no, not him. But I'd say yes, him because he's very hard on himself and should know better. Uh, Matt Ryan. Wow. That off your back leg, almost interception at the end of the game. It's just peak, not Matt Ryan. Well, I mean, I guess some of his fans are haters. A lot of his, uh, the Matt Ryan haters say, that's why we need a new quarterback. That's why whatever. But Matt is supposed to be the, the tactician, the technician, the, the, the guy who is, is so precise and alert and been doing this for, you know, a decade plus and doesn't make mistakes like that. It hit the guy in the hand. We shouldn't have won that game. We should have lost that game because the Giants should have intercepted that ball, downed it, and run the clock out. And Matt Ryan can't make passes like that. He can't make decisions like that. And if this team is going to be any good, I I always say the stars got to play like stars. Matt Ryan is our brightest star. He's our biggest star. He's one of our most highly paid stars. And to throw a ball in the fourth quarter, and to put us in a position where we could have been 0-3 can't happen from our star quarterback. So I think that he won't have his uh, hoodie up and he won't be pouting. He's <laughs> no, he won't. As, as, as stoic and PC as he always does because he has to exude uh, confidence and competence and leadership. But he's beating himself up about it because, you know, back when I was there, I, I, I'd be in the meeting rooms where Matt was just like, and it was funny because Matt is so, so PC, but... Yeah, he's got a little potty mouth. He, he he curses a little bit. The camera catches him every now and then, but he'd be like, he does, he does, he's got it. He's got a potty mouth, and I love it because it it shows us that he's real. But he's it's us. a guys, it's a guys guy thing, right? It's yes, like no, yes. this is for us in the locker room. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's like, get your effing ass in gear, and yep, you know, yep. I was like, I love it. I was like, come on, tell him, Matt, tell him, talk to him. <laughs> People like you know this little string bean, scrawny, you know, squeaky voice, Boston College kid is not leading anybody. Uh, his rookie year was, you know, kind of the, the feeling with, with some of the, the veteran guys, but then Matt came into his own and now, you know, he's full blown like Matty ice. And, you know, Yo, he's, and, a, he's a Philly, he's a Northeastern dude, yeah, man. Yeah. Austin call like that. He's got some asshole in him. Yes. Like, I, I, I love it. Too. Great. I, I, I absolutely love it. But you know, that asshole turns on himself too. He's like, come on, Matt. Fuck, yeah. What the fuck are you doing? That's and, what makes and, him a leader. 
Yes. And so he's going to be, you know, MF and himself here, uh, <laughs> you know, back and forth for making that play harder than anybody else will. So he's, he's going to have a bad day in the meet room because he's going to be on himself. Yeah. The throw reminded me a lot of, um, I think it was either, I know it was, it was 2019 season. It was either Minnesota or maybe Indianapolis, but he, he had a pass to Luke Stalker that was just kind of, why'd you even make that throw? Like he, yeah. it was like he was trying to get it out of the back of the end zone, but it was off his back foot, thrown up, pick. Like what? What are you doing there? Um, but I thought overall Matt had a a really good game. To your point, there were some dropped interceptions. I mean, this could have had the defense been really on point. This this would have been a troubling kind of trend for Matt with a couple of interceptions in in back to back games. But he escaped that. I thought he was really good at the line of scrimmage directing the offense, um, which is a, a big part of quarterbacking. But totally agree. We're actually kind of in sync, weirdly, um, in naming two guys who are probably going to be harder on themselves than anybody else in the organization because my bad team meeting room guy is actually going to be head coach Arthur Smith. And I think that he's going to go back through this and maybe have some second thoughts about, about the approach. Yes, they won, but the offense really did lack any type of rhythm and flow. And and I looked up with about four minutes left in the first half. The Falcons had really only run like 20 plays, if you don't include those that were um, attributed to penalties or anything. And that's not kind of what you want from your offense. You want your offense to be, you know, typically it's like 65, 70 plays a game is, is a good offensive showing. So to be at 20, basically with maybe one possession to go, before the half that's not what you want and I think that they really tried to establish the run but ignored explosive plays as the result and yes I gave him credit previously for I think his stuff in the red zone proved to be really good I thought he did a lot of smart things um, when they were inside of the five yard line which is really what he did well in Tennessee and what the Falcons need to reverse if they're going to take a next step forward is be better at scoring touchdowns instead of kicking field goals um, so he did a lot of that well, but I want to see him be able to put together, you know, it's the it's the end of the first half and we've seen three drives of anywhere between 60 and 80 yards that they've scored touchdowns and they're connecting on some explosive plays. They're hitting, you know, they're marrying the the run with the play action. They're mixing the inside zone. They're mixing screen. Just get it all cooking. And we still haven't seen that from Martha Smith. And even though they won today, and even though he got the game ball, I think he needs to take a look, at least at his offensive approach, how they're using Kyle Pitts, how they're using, you know, Calvin Ridley, different things like that, and get more guys involved. Get your best guys involved more because we've yet to see that. And the offense still really hasn't figured much out through three games, and that falls on Arthur Smith. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Arthur Smith is as a as a head coach. I think he, like Matt Ryan, expects more of himself. Um, is, is going to be tough on himself because he knows that Matt's the leader, but he's like the leader's leader. Like you're, you're the head coach, the buck stops with you. And to be an offensive minded coach, that offense should have been humming uh, a lot better and a lot smoother by game three, and, and it wasn't. We we had um, not even spurts. Like we had. Uh, uh, a spurt uh, would have mattered the most in the fourth yeah. quarter, which was great, but it shouldn't have been a game. Defense did their job. We should have done our job on offense. And right. Arthur Smith from not getting the ball enough to Kyle Pitts, where you know we sh- he showed when you throw his way, just getting a pass interference play because he's such a big guy uh, that would have been uh, helpful. First quarter, second yeah. quarter, third quarter. Why'd you wait till the end of the game to do that? So there are a lot of things so Washington- that Arthur Smith did better. A Washington team led by Taylor Heineke put up 30 points on this team with yeah. with three days of preparation. Yeah. How about that? Like that's that's what I'm coming down to is is kind of like, all right, we still haven't seen it. Yes, he won. That's awesome. And I I'm feel bad about giving this award to a coach on his first NFL victory as a head coach. Like that. And you that should. Just, that doesn't jive to Dare me. You. All right. I know that's sacrilegious in inside of the building. Um, but hey. We're, we're keeping it real here and, and the offense needs to step it up and you gave it to the quarterback and I'm giving it to the uh, head coach slash play caller. So we are we're in rhythm there. Um, all right. Real quick before we get out of here, let's let's take a, a look around the league um, and what happened in week four. Let's start NFC South. 
Carolina obviously won on Thursday night against Houston. Not a surprise to anybody, but Panthers are 3-0, and that is a surprise to a lot of people, not me. How about that? I picked them to finish second in this division. I am on the record. I think the Panthers are going to be good this year. So I'm, I'm taking my victory laps. They're first in the NFC South, baby. Sam Darnold season. What's up? We're going all the way. Uh, New Orleans, Damn bounce darn. back. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it's, made, it's mainly like Christian McCaffrey season because like Joe Brady, I, I think they're just, I think Joe Brady installed his offense for Christian McCaffrey. I know he's out now, but just getting him this year is going to change things for the Panthers. Um, New Orleans, 28, New England, 13, big win for the Saints uh, to bounce back after a just brutal loss um, in week two. And then Tampa Bay dropped their first game of the season as the Los Angeles Rams, right? Big win for the Rams. You know what? I was happy for Matthew Stafford. I I was really happy for a guy who was in like the basement, like in the cellar, like uh, in Detroit where- And never complained- Never. Yeah. He, he just took yeah. it. He was like, I'm going to win here. Yeah. It was cold. It was miserable at times. <laughs> I'm sure like it was cold again. Like the, Detroit is somewhere that no one says me, pick me. I want to go to Detroit. Yes. That, that team says yeah. nobody, no nobody. player, no coach, no staff. And Matthew Stafford just kind of just smiled through the whole thing. Yep. And like, again, like Calvin Johnson, I feel like he's going to have his whole career wasted. And to get a chance to go from uh, Detroit to, to sunny LA, LA oh my and God. actually do what they brought him there to do, which is to beat the likes of, of a Tom Brady, the caliber of Tom Brady, because they <laughs> yeah. don't win a Super Bowl. And to do that, you got to you know, beat the best. And so it was yep. just really, I'm, I'm an underdog guy. Being a fullback, I've, I've always been an uh, underdog guy. Whether it's Wake Forest or my small private high school I went to, like I am a king and a, a you know a, a guy who loves underdogs. And he was somewhat of an underdog, um, you know, just from where he's been. And in that game, he showed up and it was very, I hate to say this because Tom Brady's the best. I love him. You know, I don't love him, but I appreciate respect. <laughs> that's the words. But I think that it's satisfying to so many Brady haters that Tom Brady shows he's human. Because sometimes you're just like, how does he do it? He's 45. He's throwing yeah. touchdowns. His TV right. 12 method is selling out. He's making money through endorsements. Like, stop it. Like, you, you can't have it all, Tom. Go sit down somewhere. And so Matthew Stafford, the, you know, the cool, calm, collected, doesn't have the supermodel wife, you know, doesn't have, you know, the <laughs> billions of dollars Tom has. Hey, his, 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 wife, his wife's good. His, yeah, his wife's still so so good. His, his, his wife's nice. like that, that, like, you know, you know Hollywood Chuck, elite. Chuck just like, you know, good old, you know, country, normal Matthew. He's not <laughs> normal. He's still an elite guy. But compared to Tom Brady, he's, from, he's from Texas, went to Georgia. Yes. He's just yes. a good old, he's friends with Matt Ryan. Good they have a summer basketball league where yeah, they put their teammates. Guy. Like and he's, he's just a, a chill coach. dude, man. Like he just come over and have a beer. Coach, yeah. Coaching son's uh, you know, uh baseball team, like a real cool guy. And yeah. watching that type of guy and that type of team beat Tom Brady, especially after the schlacking they gave us last week, was very very uh, uh what's the word peaceful happy it was just a great feeling to have yeah it was it was kismet man and uh i mean go, good good for matt stafford i like i i think that that's that's huge and it makes like the rams now really should are in that conversation they can contend this year and i know yep. we we talked about uh some of their running back injuries early on and and there was some concern but the whole one of the major key, a top three storyline for the NFL this entire offseason has been Matthew Stafford hooking up with Sean McVay. What does that look like? And so far, it, Matthew Stafford looks great and he looks like he's having a lot of fun being there. Um, and Sean McVay seems super jazzed uh, about him being there. But a few other preseason contenders Chiefs, Patriots, Steelers, Seahawks, and Vikings, all of those have one thing in common and that is a one and two record which oh by the way the falcons also have in common so does that mean anything how much should we buy into the fact that uh, it's only week three all of this is bullshit we're just here to talk about what it means but like if those teams are all like in four weeks everything is totally different but hey we shouldn't lose hope because the Falcons are one and two. All of those teams are one and two. So if we're going to give up hope, that means all of those fans should give up hope. Obviously that's not true. 
Um, so what can you say about the importance of believing in wins early on versus just understanding that this is still a long season, not as long as baseball, not as long as basketball, but still a long season? Yeah, we shouldn't lose hope. We shouldn't gain hope either. Uh, don't get this one win twisted and think that we're a Super Bowl contender or a playoff contender. Uh, all those teams got to one and two in a different way. And the Kansas City Chiefs, I just don't see them as, uh, you know, staying uh, down in the basement cellar of the NFL for too long. They're, they're too good of a team. Way too good and of a team. And that was a great game. Yeah, it was a really amazing game. Uh, I think that it also should be remembered that these games count just as much in September as they do in November. And December. So I, I know people like to True. say finish strong and momentum is important, but these games matter. And people, you know, reach back several times in my career. I was like, gosh, dang it. That, that one game we lost to, where's that team we should have beaten that came back and, you know, won because of an interception or a fumble or, you know, yeah. a, a great field goal. That is keeping us from having that seed we want or having that bye week or from making the playoffs even. So those games matter. Everyone matters. And it's just hard to see the big picture when you're this early in the season. But you still got to fight like hell and, and treat every game. We used to say this uh, my last couple of years in the league, uh, like, like a playoff game. We have to prepare like a playoff game. You have to you know, play it like a playoff game. Uh, I know in the actual playoffs, there is a, a certain electricity. And the guys were <laughs> just amped up. And that winner-go-home yeah. mentality was so... You didn't, you didn't have to get hyped up for a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, right? it was there. It was absolutely That's the key there. difference. It's funny because we, you always feel like I gave it my all. I gave it my best. Did you? <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> Did you really give it all, all your all? Because you don't even know what your all is. It's like how like when you, you max out on a bench press, like, oh, I can't do one more pound. Yeah. The next week you find a way to get, you know, 20 more pounds on. They're like, oh, I, I, I can. So you want to <laughs> go all out as hard as you can from the, your diet to your sleep, to your preparation, to your, your study, all that stuff. Every single game. And I think that the Falcons, if we can realize that that one and two record that we have is just another reason why we should really, you know, uh, push ourselves. It, it can help us kind of move a little bit faster on our, our road to being an above average team. Yeah, I mean, you you can't you can't win the season in the first month, but you you can kind of lose it. Um, and, and so yes, that's why I think go. today, today was, was huge. Uh, you get that win, you stave off because that's, that's, what's been so frustrating about these Falcons the past few years. They're just out of it. They're out of it by October and the Braves are playing postseason baseball and the Falcons are oh and six and playing the Miami dolphins. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of like, who cares? Uh, yeah. so, uh, that, that was, that was a, a massive pain in, in my ass as somebody who had to cover the team and make people care about the team, but, uh, I'm not bitter. Uh, so next week, real quick, uh, Washington football team, they beat these giants, beat them by only one point. So Falcons technically have the edge on them there, but they did score 30 against these giants. So they got the edge on the Falcons. They're coming off a pretty big loss against the Bills in which Josh Allen was on fire. The offense was clicking for Buffalo. Um, but there were moments where Washington looked dangerous with Terry McLaurin and, and Taylor Heineke kind of making a few plays here and there. What are your early thoughts? I know we haven't dug into to anything really with Washington yet, but just vibes coming off of week three, um, looking ahead to the week four matchup. Um, uh, early thoughts is that, um, the Washington football team, I keep on almost saying Redskins. I don't know why it's stuck in my head. The Washington football team is a team that just got beat and so wants revenge. Uh, yeah. It shouldn't be this way, but when you get beat, you always work a little bit harder. It always makes your, you know, your preparation a little bit sharper. And you always have that, that, that chip on your shoulder that, you know, we should have won that game. We're better team. It's not going to happen again. You're and the, the underdog. Two games worth of that. So, it's not going to be uh, – well, it wasn't going to be an easy game anyway, but these guys are going to come in with that much more uh, uh, fire in their bellies to get this win. The Falcons, after an ugly win, a win that we almost didn't have for several reasons, need to – in order to, to do what I said they're going to do, which is win out to the bye week, we got to really evaluate some of our, our, our weak, weak points and to really 
uh, accentuate or to, to build up where we played well and what, what we did well. Because this is 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 not going to be an easy game. I, I dare say, I feel like this this next game might be an L uh, if we don't uh, find ways to to fix um, you know some of our mistakes. It shouldn't have been this close against the Giants. It shouldn't have been. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything that you just said. I, I think that uh, again, we haven't even mentioned that New York lost pretty much its top two receivers in in Kenny Galladay or Kenny Galladay and um, Sterling Shepard pretty early on in the game and and lost a, a few players to injury had kind of a lot of penalties going against them. So there were a lot of things in the Falcons favor today that helped them ultimately get the win. Um, Washington has some players offensively that, that you really should be afraid of. I mean, Antonio Gibson is, is awesome. Terry McLaurin is very good. Logan Thomas, their tight end um, is really threatening. And then of course their defense Obviously did not play well at all um, on Sunday, but, you know, they got a lot of guys on that defensive line with high pedigrees and I don't know, it'll, it'll be, it's kind of like the type of game that, that you maybe each side of the ball needs kind of a get right game. And so if you're Washington's defense, you're coming into this with something to prove. I think if you're Atlanta's offense, you're coming into this with something to prove. So that will be a really exciting and interesting um, showdown, I think next week is the two sides of the ball that are pegged as each team's kind of main unit that they should be able to rely on. Um, but neither has lived up really to that billing so far this season. Uh, so I think early on, if I, if I'm kind of writing the headline for this matchup, it's, it's Washington's defense is trying to prove that they are the dominant force that everybody expected them to be this year. Versus Atlanta's offense is trying to, you know, bounce back with all the talent that they have on that side of the ball. Maybe get Kyle Pitts uh, a little bit more involved. So, yeah, it'll be a really fascinating, fascinating game. Uh, do you like Atlanta's chances in this? No, I do. I, I do like Atlanta's chances. I think, uh, you know, after three games, they they have uh, there. There's no more mystique to what the Falcons need to do to get better. And that's to involve Kyle Pitts. Uh, I think Arthur Smith has said it. Uh, we've been harping on it for for three games. And I think Kyle Pitts, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, is going to be highly involved in the next game, whether that's uh, just drawing away coverage or getting some PI calls or, you know, taking that next step in, in his development. I think if we involve Kyle Pitts, oh, man, it, it's nothing <laughs> but 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 going up. It, nothing but, yeah. but um, you know, sky's the limit. And so I'm excited to see what we can do. And I think the Falcons have a great opportunity to, uh, you know, be a, a team where offense and defense are both clicking. Yeah, I, I think this I think this win gains the attention of a lot of the players in the locker room. And I, I think it's a it's a just a big step in the right direction to say, look, you know, we made the adjustments in the second half. We've done that now two weeks in a row. And. We we can work forward. It's going to be hard. There are going to be struggles along the way, but we're here for the long run, not the short term. We're not going to overreact to bad performances. We're going to hold you accountable, but we're not necessarily being knee jerk um, and it's row the boat type of situation without being college and saying row the boat. Um, so I think that that's pretty much enough football that we have for today. Before we get out of here, Ovi, I... I want you to tell me a little bit more about Star Wars Visions because I, I almost fired it up last night and I want to get into it. Um, but but sell me on it one more time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy. Um, if you love anime and you love Star Wars, or even if you love just one of them, or even if you love none of them, if you like just good stories, <laughs> I, I think uh, watching Star Wars Vision and the thing about this, which is great, is that you can watch it with your kids. Some of the stuff I watch in the anime world, I can't watch with my kids. I but they're watching the kids. They're not old enough and too gory and too much. Yeah, there's some adult um, themes in anime. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely too much. But uh, my 12 year old daughter, she loves anime. She loves Naruto, My Hero Academia, and she Heck loves yeah. Dragon Ball Z and, and yes. you know, Sailor Moon. She's just a big uh, Moon, anime nice. person. Yes, yeah, she's uh, you know all all about it. And so we watched Star Wars, uh, uh, the uh, the new one, Visions, and. She was just in love with it. The stories are great. She said, Daddy, they should make a series after each episode because they're all short. So they're like, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And yeah, you want more. It leaves you wanting and craving more. Like I would petition 
Disney to make a series out of like half of those could be full length series. They win all types of awards because they're just great writing, great stories. Um, I, I say you got to check it out. You just you just have to check it out. It so it it kind of sounds almost like a little bit of like a Marvel What If, like it's an anthology. Like yes. each episode is yeah. its own self contained bottle episode with a new world Absolutely. with a new whatever. That's Absolutely. awesome, Absolutely. dude. I'm, I'm I'm gonna have to check it out. My my recommendation, uh, viewing wise, I've been super into. Um, and this, it's been around for a little while, but Netflix explained series, which basically takes Ooh, a topic. Yeah, yeah. It's so addictive. And it's because my favorite thing about this is it's also only like 15 to 17 minutes long. So you, you like just churn through episodes, like before you even know it, it like the, and the show music is so catchy that it opens, it <laughs> ends and you're ready to watch the next one. And it's yep. so propellant and it like, just pulls you in and each topic is so interesting. It's got, you know, the the money, wealth, the wealth gap in America. It's yep. got, you know, what environment like pandemics. It's got, yeah, it just ever like climate change, all of the, and it's narrated by really fascinating people. It's got everything like athleisure. Um, so it's all on Netflix. Every topic category is incredible. Uh, it's yeah. given me a lot of ideas because I think the NFL is very ripe and fertile ground for something very much like this. Uh, so, you know, copyright on on that for everybody. But <laughs> um, yeah, Netflix explained, like, if you just want to throw something on in the background while maybe you're doing something else, or if you just want to, if you're kind of like, hey, I want to learn new stuff, but I, I'm not into reading. Podcasting is is what I do in the car, but when I'm at home and chilling out, they're on Netflix Explained. It's really, really good, and uh, I highly recommend. They do a very good job. Um, so that's Pop Culture Corner <laughs> on on a on a Monday morning for you guys. So um, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're still listening, uh, extra thank you, and please share. Let everybody know where where they can find us. Uh, we're really trying to extend Falcons coverage this season. Today was a positive step in the right direction, but uh, I think our perspective on, you know, how excited do you get? How much reservations should you still have? Like, I, I really think that we're trying to be super balanced with all of that um, and informative when we can. Obviously, Ovi knows so much about football. He was a freaking pro bowler and a yeah. second team all pro and is uh, just right. an incredible incredible fullback one of my favorite leave the players second team out of it you got to leave the second just say all pro <laughs> they all know it's towards the second team they all know it's all pro <laughs> but we're trying to be factual here ovi that's this that's the true. whole bag man we're we you know we're, we're we're black and white we we don't we don't color it uh <laughs> and, and we are black and white <laughs> <laughs> all right we're gonna leave we're gonna leave it right there thank you uh everybody for today's show um, Falcons got a win. We should be excited. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.